Welcome to John Susco's A Better Way to Divorce podcast. John Susco is a Florida family law attorney whose practice is focused on collaborative divorce and mediation. And now, here's John Susco. Well, I'm here today with Carol Hughes, who is holds a, holds a doctorate degree in clinical psychology. Uh, she achieved it uh, summa cum laude and also a Phi Beta Kappa honors. She's a two-time Fulbright scholar, uh, board certified a hypnotherapist, and um, an EMDR therapist. And I had to look that up, but I, I, I think I got a feel for that. Um, and she has been working in Laguna, California as a therapist, co-parenting and child specialist, a divorce coach and mediator. And she has assisted hundreds of families going through separation and divorce. Um, she is a member of the Cal the Collaborative Divorce Solutions of Orange County, served on the board of directors and in many capacities. She has written several uh, articles. One was in the uh, book called Divorce Puzzle, Connecting the Pieces, um, collaboratively published in 2007 by Open Palm. And she's co-authored a book, Home Will Never Be the Same Again, A Guide for Adult Children of Gray Divorce, published in 2020. Uh, so thank you for being here. Carol, tell us tell us a little bit about your life as a, a psychotherapist and a mediator and counselor out in California. Okay. Well, I've been a psychotherapist for several decades, uh, working with families, couples, children, minor and adult. And uh, in early 2000, um, I read about um, collaborative divorce process that was going on in Seattle. And I was really intrigued by that process. I thought it would be really good for families. Um, I've, I am also uh, Orange County Superior Court appointed child therapist, uh, reunification therapist, family therapist, helping families who are in the litigation process. So having done that for a long time, I was really positively impacted by what collaborative, uh, the goal of collaborative and mediation. Um, and so I, go ahead. No, how, how does, how do you do, here in, in Florida, we have the, the a facilitator role and perhaps a financial planner role. And then we've got two attorneys. Tell us how, tell, tell the folks how it's done in California. I mean, what, what are the players at the table? Okay. Um, and I, I don't speak for all of California, but I know a lot of California uses a two coach model uh, where each client has his or her or or same sex, uh, same gen, whatever the partnership is, has their own uh, divorce coach, collaboratively trained. We have to be licensed therapists or psychologists in California to be collaborative professionals. Uh, we've also um, started over the last 10 years or so using a hybrid model, what we call hybrid, where we have one coach uh, and we call it either a single coach uh, like in the Texas model, uh, or we call it uh, the family specialist. And that person serves as a divorce coach to both of the adults, both parents, and sometimes also meets with the children, minor and adult children. So we've 
combined the child specialist role and the two coach model role sometimes into one family specialist, which is the closest to your facilitator. Right, it, it, um, it is. Model. Uh, and then sometimes we still have the family ther- uh, family specialist and then we have a child separate specialist that's separate. So we, we, we well, it isn't a one size fits all. We tailor it to what we think will best serve the family. But of course, they're two collaboratively trained attorneys. That's a requirement for collaborative. Okay. Well, tell us what inspired you to write the book, Home Will Never Be the Same Again. Can you please? I will. Um, Well, as a therapist for decades, um, I did work with a lot of adult children whose parents were going through divorce. There wasn't not the moniker gray divorce yet, although the research shows that the gray divorce, um, they called it revolution. that was Bowling Green State University started researching from 1990 forward, and they, they named it the Great Divorce. But in my therapy practice, I was working with a lot of children who were already adults when their parents were going through divorce. And I was struck by that there was no help for them anywhere. There'd been nothing. There was one book that had been published. It was out of print. And a second one, kind of um, almost like memoirs of of adult children going through, two different adult children. But there really was no research, there was nothing out there. So I just treated them as, you know, therapy clients as best I could. And then um, when I helped form Collaborative Divorce Solutions in Orange County in 03, um, eventually we had a blog on our website. And so one of the topics I wrote about was adult children whose parents are going through divorce. They're already adults when, when their parents are divorcing. And in uh, early 2016, a New York Times journalist, reporter, was doing uh, an article on adult children of gray divorce, and she found my, my blog on our website and asked if she could interview me for an article, which she did. Came out in April of 16, and then in September of 16, uh, a literary agent from Roman and Little, um, sorry, uh, Curtis Brown in back East uh, called me and said, would I be interested in writing a book about the topic? I had never really intended to write a book about that, but I'm one, if something comes to us like that, then I say yes. All right. So, and, um, and, uh, and these adult children need a voice. They need our culture to understand that what they're going through is a trauma. It is painful. They are grieving, some are angry, and um, so I wanted to shatter the myth that they're adults now, that they can just roll with it and get over it. I, I got to tell you, you shattered my myth again. I, I had, back when I was practicing uh, a lot of family law back in the 90s, I, I, we basically would tell ourselves that the uh, family law attorneys would tell ourselves that children were resilient. And uh, I I realized that was a myth uh, when I got out of the practice. And when I read your book or when I heard your book first, it just blew my socks off because uh, I understand what you're, what, what these children, you know, they're, they're major stakeholders, but they're, they're not being brought to the table and again, it's hard to bring up at the table, but so tell us how prevalent is uh, gray divorce? I mean, tell us a little bit about the numbers. Yes. Uh, well, I didn't do the research. Bowling Green State University did. Um, 
And they, as I said a few minutes ago, they started studying the U.S. Census. By the way, this is a phenomenon that's happening throughout the industrialized world. It isn't just the U.S., but uh, Bowling Green State first uh, published about it. And what they found was uh, their first run at the studying the census was between 1990 and 2010, the divorce rate for those parents, uh, well, not necessarily just parents, but couples 50 years and older had doubled in those 20 years between 1990 and, and 2010. And they predicted uh, that at the rate it was going by 2030, uh, it will triple it will have tripled. And then they did another review that they published of the census in 2015, which showed that, it, that the divorce rate was continuing at that, the rate that they had predicted. Um, it, had, it had doubled, and again, they were projecting that it would triple by 2030. So that's the adults that are divorcing. And then just on average, uh, if you look at a marriage, the average number of, uh, this is an average, of course, children that uh, ch parents have is two. And we know many families have more, many don't have any children. And so if, and then every year they found that 600,000 adults were divorcing in that age group, 600,000. So if you take that 600,000, which is maybe a, just a couple, so that would make a couple is 300,000. Are you following my numbers? Mm -hmm. Yep. And then by two children for each marriage, that's a nut, that's 600,000 plus the 300,000 of the couples, that's 900,000. That's just, we're just guessing, you know, as best we can from the statistics. So, and then each year, many of these adult children and their parents are, have not healed. They're still grieving, a lot of them. Most, most after about eight, two years are in a better spot. So we've got over roughly a million people each year in the United States alone that this is a population that's being affected between the parents and the adult children. Why, why do you have any theories as to why uh, people are divorcing later in life? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, several. Uh, one, we're living longer, you know, better health care and people are taking better care of themselves on average. So a lot of times if people married in their 20s, 30s, even 40s, um, they're looking, they've been together, you know, 20, 30, 40 years of marriage, depending on when they married. And if it wasn't the happiest of marriages or if they've drifted apart, um, they start thinking, I could live another 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Do I want to stay married to this person, if, especially if they haven't been happy? So longevity is one. A second reason is that uh, the majority of women in the United States who are married do work outside the home and have their own careers or professions. So they're not as economically dependent on their husbands. The, and the research shows in the United States, the majority of divorce filings are by the wife. So that would be a second reason. Let me, uh, are you finding, uh, let me, Get, this is a, not a this is a collaborative question, I guess. Is are you finding that the divorces are uh, more contentious because there's more things to fight about, or or what happens going through you know typical uh, California divorces? Well, I know from a colleague of mine, a family law attorney, um, 
he said that a couple of years ago in the California Bar Journal, uh, the statistics where I want to try to get these right, <clears throat> throughout California, which is a very litigious state, of course, known for that, um, in, of the family law cases, the divorce cases that are filed, only 10% go to trial. Um, that would be the most litigious ones, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but, and in Orange County, which is a very litigious county, he said the statistics were 30% go to trial. Oh, my goodness. So, I know. So since we're in Orange County, um, even in collaborative, uh, I think a lot of people have, th have begun thinking that collaborative is just a softer, kinder way to do litigation. <laughs> it's out of court. And we just the last seven or years or so, a lot of our collaborative cases are very have been very high conflict. So now we say in my group, uh, practice group, we just go into a new case thinking it's going to be high conflict and we're pleasantly surprised if it isn't. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Tell me again now, now the adult children, what why do we dismiss? I mean, I don't remember why as a family law attorney, I, I would have this myth that children were resilient, but why why do we why do we dismiss adult children? That's a really good question. And I think there's several answers to that too. One, I think the family law attorneys traditionally have dismissed adult children because they, they are not within the jurisdiction of the court. You know, it's the minor children or the ones that are, well, I'll just say minor children, that'll be simpler. Uh, and then the second reason I think is that you know, what parent doesn't want to believe their children are okay when they're going through divorce? I mean, that's what parents want, right? Most parents want their kids to be okay. And that they are, quote, adults. We have that mythology in our culture that when kids magically turn 18 years old, they're mature and have all kinds of coping skills that they don't have. And I don't know about you, John, but I have yet to meet an adult, any adult, who's going through divorce, you know, a husband or wife or whatever, uh, who isn't having some difficulty and some painful feelings, grieving, anger, sadness, fear. So why would we think as a culture that the adult children aren't having some of those feelings? Uh, I think in your book, you talk about the fact that the home is not, it not, it's not there. Right. And, and I, I, I went through a divorce and it was a somewhat friendly divorce back in the late 70s. And uh, I, I was I was going down to borrow something that, you know, that was I'm sure my wife would have allowed me to have. And we weren't in the ages of cell phones. So I left messages and I showed up at the door and I put the key in the lock and it wouldn't work. Mm. And I realized what had happened. And I sat on the front porch and cried like a baby because mm -hmm. that wasn't my home anymore. And, you know, so I understand what you're saying in terms of never having a home or, or not having a home. Um, what what can parents, what can the parents do to help their children with this process? So I want or, or, or let me, let me phrase the question differently. Tell me what, your adult children tell you going forward about their thoughts about the the divorce of their parents that's a very good question 
uh, first, the adult children, and the research shows this too. There's a little bit of research that we included in the book that, that has been out by the time we were writing the book. Uh, number one, the adult children say, I just want my mom and dad to get along. It's the same number one statement that minor children say almost unanimously. So that's a good reason to do a peaceful divorce process, right? Like collaborative remediation. Uh, number two, they say they don't want to feel invisible. They want to have what they're going through, their experiences and their feelings be acknowledged. Uh, and many say, I don't want to feel crazy. <laughs> and when they find out that what they're experiencing is expected, and it's, it's a common experience that many adult children have, they often say, wow, you mean I'm not crazy? I was feeling crazy. They want they want their parents and friends and their support system, their community, to understand that they are affected by their parents' divorce. Their, their home and the home, you know, you mentioned a minute ago, John, the family home, the residence is, is a home and it is where many of the adult children grew up and expected to bring the grandchildren, et cetera. And it's also symbolic of all that's breaking apart the bonds, you know, seeing mom and dad together, um, you know, feeling like they're caught in the middle, just like minor children are caught in the middle many times. So the home is symbolic of that. And as you went to your front door and tried to unlock it, you know, a lot of kids don't, adult children don't feel like that's their home anymore. Sometimes the home is sold. And so they want their parents and their community support system to understand the losses they're going through, which is why we have a chapter on grieving also in the book. Um, and and what, well, let me first, let me, uh, I just want to say that we're here talking to Carolyn Hughes, the author, uh, one of the authors of Home Will Never Be the Same, A Guide for Divorce, A Guide for Adult Children of Gray Divorce. Um, what, can, what can the parents do going forward? I mean, what, what would you recommend they do if they came into you ahead of time, which they probably don't? <laughs> Unfortunately, that's right, John, they usually don't. Uh, if they do, or they come to me later, I tell them the number one thing that I want them to practice doing, and I have handouts and things I give them to do to learn, is simply listen. Listen deeply to what their adult children are saying they're feeling and going through. And when we listen deeply, we listen without judging. And we're not formulating what we're gonna to say to try to convince them to feel a different way or do something different. We simply listen. I tell people that's why we have two ears and one mouth, is listening is more important than talking. Uh, and then the second thing I tell them that's the most important is to please use a peaceful process because, and don't put their children in the middle, their adult children. It's tempting for uh, adult or for parents to think of their children who are adults as confidants or their therapist to use them that way as their confidant or their therapist. Tell them all kinds of uh, negative comments about their other parent. Uh, ask them to align with them against the other parent that is damaging to the adult children, just as it is to minor children. So avoid all those pitfalls 
I educate them about the pitfalls to avoid. And in, in addition to uh, problems between the parents taking sides is the, the rest of the members of the family, because other people are going to be on other sides. I mean, can you explain that? Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, uh, sadly, our, our culture is still uh, thinks of divorce as a war to be won, a battle to be won, win-lose. And so that, that, that um, encourages family members and friends, uh, community support members to line up on one side or the other. And so it's a cultural phenomenon. I mean, um, uh, one of contributor to the book uh, and the la- next to the last chapter is Sharon Ellison, who wrote Taking the War Out of Our Words. And um, we still do think of divorce as war, as I said. And when we think of divorce as war, we have to think of sides. And then that's how people start lining up on each side. And it's very sad to see. Yeah, I mean, it, it's sad. All, I mean, it's sad in all divorces. Um, yeah. I mean, I. Uh, let's see. Um, you know, talk a little bit about the the traditions and and the celebrations that go on with the. I guess it's the adult children's families. Tell the tell tell some. St- interesting stories in terms of what happens with, you know, parents that are grieving. Um, You know, can we have grandpa and grandma at at the same function? Right. That's the wish. I mean, if it was a very high conflict marriage, you know, many adult children are just glad to have peace and can't even imagine having their parents in the same room because it was such a high conflict marriage. That's understandable. And unless those parents, as you say, they're grieving and anger is always part of grieving. Uh, So it might be a few years, hopefully they would do their own work with a therapist or a counselor to get to the point where they could at least be grandparents together uh, in the same room for their children. That's something that, as I said earlier, adult children want, most adult children, uh, so that they have not completely lost that sense of family and so that their children can experience mom and grandma and grandpa together um, as, a, as a grandparent unit. That's an important attachment bonding uh, process for young children or any age children. Um, what often happens though is that because of the warlike process that so much of divorce is, uh, children, adult children feel like they have to you know, show up at mom's, show up at dad's, um, you know, split their day. uh, And some of them just decide, you know, for holidays and things, uh, they'll just have their own holiday celebration, start a new celebration tradition to avoid the conflict between mom and dad. Um, And if their children are having birthdays or some other graduation celebration, uh, many adult children say uh, they didn't, really want either parent to come to their graduation because like college graduation, let's say, or their, their children's graduation, because they knew that it would be tense. It would be a tense situation. So all of those kind of situations occur. If parents can't do 
what's right for their adult children as well and their grandchildren, which is let's try to have a peaceful divorce process and respectful. Why do all the bonds have to, so many of the bonds have to be broken, relationship bonds? It's, it's truly a generational uh, problem. Um, I mean, uh, you know, you're talking about the generation of the adult children's children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and not to see grandma and grandpa, uh, I mean, that's just, that's, that's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, changing, um, you, you're, you have a chapter on changing roles or changing family roles and rules. And you have um, a number of different, you know, the, the family hero, the responsible one, the placator, the beautiful loser, lost child. Is it possible that, you know, during the, the divorcing process of the, um, the, uh, I guess, I guess the grandparents, um, that the roles change uh, among the, the siblings? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we know from the research of just families, period, uh, not, not speaking just of divorce, is that in general, the women, the females, are the, what we call the kinship keepers. And so that's true whether families are still together or apart. And so what happens when parents divorce, if there are daughters, often the role of organizing the family celebrations, trying to keep the family members together, talking to the siblings that won't talk to each other because one's aligned with dad, one's aligned with mom, falls upon one or more of the daughters. And so it's as though the daughters become the matriarch. Uh, Maybe mom is depressed or works and does is kind of oblivious to what's going on in the family. There are all kinds of scenarios. Um, and then also the, the adult children become can become caretakers. If the parents are much older, 60s, 70s, have health issues, maybe mental health issues, they're depressed. Some, some men and women become so depressed during divorce, it affects their ability to work. Um, if they go, engage in a high conflict lit, litigated divorce, they can really have depleted a lot of their family savings. Um, and so a lot of times the adult children find themselves in the position to be helping their parents, one or both financially. Uh, if they're younger adult children, say they're in college, uh, sometimes they have to leave college because the parent, if the parents were helping them with their college tuition, et cetera, uh, because there's no money to continue to help them. So it can become very stressful, actually, on both the parents and the adult children. Um, some challenges that that the siblings often encounter. You know, how close uh, are you to the siblings and the to the parents? Are siblings closer with one parent or the other? How close the parents or the siblings are to each other? Um, so those play out for going for ad infinitum until the parents or the uh, the, the, the divorcing folks actually pass away. Yes, and if you know any attorneys who do uh, probate, <laughs> they talk about that, that uh, it can just be, it's like, it's horrible. These siblings, many haven't gotten along for decades. And I want to just underscore what you were saying. That is really true. And in fact, uh, I don't know if you know this, John, but Collaborative is moving into probate and estates uh, now. 
because yep. still always dealing with families. I don't do that work, but some people I know do. Uh, and it really does help them have a more peaceful resolution. Yes, it's called elder care coordination. And I'm trying to get our judge up here to do that for a couple 80-year-olds that oh, ha cool. have a son who is, again, uh, it's it's a mess. And, yeah. you know, they can litigate this thing for forever right. or they can come up with the solution. Um, exactly. In California, how are, uh, do you have much family uh, rituals going forward with closing out of a, a collaborative case? Is that common out there? Or have you gone into any cases where that's occurred? Yes. Um, one of the rituals that I know of very few people, I wish there were more, uh, have been doing is uh, a, a divorce, divorce ritual, a quote, not a celebration of divorce, but make it a ritual. They go to a park, they write, uh, they write what they want to say to each, what each parent wants to say to the other. They talk about all the positives that were in the marriage, uh, the beautiful children, wonderful children and grandchildren, whomever they have there. Uh, and it's a, it's a divorce ritual. Um, and, um, must we must we say we did not love? I mentioned that in the book uh, by by Monza Neff. It's in the resources. Uh, who's an English professor in Northern California wrote this book. Uh, must we say we did not love? And talks about divorce rituals. And some parents are doing that. And I've I've read some others throughout the U.S. and uh, other countries. So that it's a like a, a passage. You know, like we have memorial services. We have weddings, we have graduations. Why shouldn't there be some kind of passage, you know, for divorce? It's a it's a life stage for many people. So that's actually one of the rituals, traditions that um, is catching on. Not not tremendously, but it's a good start. And then a lot of couples coming into collaborative and mediation do want to keep the holiday celebrations, maybe not every single one, but one where all the family members are together and uh, peaceful, there's no tension, uh, and to continue that, that sense of family. Because frankly, when parents are divorcing, one of the things I tell them is, what is the legacy you want to be leaving to your children right now? What do you want them in five or 10, 15 years to be telling their friends uh, and maybe their significant other, about what their life was like during your divorce. Yeah, I, I sobering for parents when they really think about it. I, I had a, a, a family law attorney from Texas tell me that she had a contentious divorce or contentious collaborative case, or it went from uh, a contentious divorce to a collaborative case, and they were still contentious. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, there were two sons and they were probably college age. And, and when the, the facilitator sort of, you know, raised this issue, all of a sudden it, the light went on and they have, um, they now meet for every Christmas, they go someplace mm -hmm. with, with the entire family and they do it. And then they, they have, uh, I guess they're two sons and it's worked for them. And and they they get together at Christmas, and you know it's a it's a joyful experience. So again, I, I know that it works, and it's it's uh, 
very useful in, in some families. And uh, I think it would be good if we could get it in all families. Um, tell me a little bit about how your practice is broken down between uh, your counseling of, of people and your mediation and your, uh, uh, your child specialist in these cases. Tell me how your practice is broken down. So um, I would say about about half of my practice is my therapy practice, um, where I serve, as I said earlier, as a therapist to adults um, and children, minor and adult children. Uh, and that includes, of course, any of the court referrals that I, I receive for being the child's, uh, a minor child's individual therapist or family reunification therapy or family therapy, co-parenting therapies, uh, I get, so that's about half my practice that does come, some of it comes from the court uh, and family law attorneys who litigate, but who are more family minded than just battle. And then the other half is uh, collaborative and mediation. Um, and I would say those two are about equal, um, collaborative cases and mediation cases. Uh, I do not serve as a solo mediator because I don't think that's really ethical, frankly, because uh, divorce is a legal process and there's a family code, which I'm not an expert in because I'm not a, an attorney. So we do what we call co-mediation where um, I can be a family specialist with a family law attorney mediator. Uh, I can be a divorce coach with a family law mediator, child specialist, um, sometimes I just work on the co-parenting counseling and help them develop their co-parenting plan with a family law mediator. So there's a lot of options that way. And then the collaborative uh, process that I described earlier. It, going in terms of this mediation, this hybrid mediation, uh, mm -hmm. tell us what it looks like in, in various forms. In other words, I'm, I, I imagine that sometimes you're talking with the uh, the attorney and the parties, and sometimes you're just there by your yourself on the the child issues. Mm -hmm. Tell tell me what that looks like. Okay, I'll describe a typical case to you. So, uh, if the family law mediator, uh, attorney mediator, decides he or she thinks that they need a financial specialist, as we have in collaborative divorce, and a family specialist, um, or maybe two divorce coaches and a child specialist. That person refers the couple to me for my part of it and then to the financial person, a professional for his or her part. And then I assess uh, how I think I could best serve that couple and their children. So sometimes I only meet with the couple. Um, maybe their children are older. They've already got kind of an agreement about what the co-parenting plan is going to look like. Or I can meet with the minor children, sometimes even the adult children, uh, to help with the co-parenting plan, the, the co uh, communication, uh, negotiation skills. Communication is really key because most people who are divorcing aren't divorcing because they had wonderful communication skills. So that's one of my jobs for sure. And then the financial specialist does the financial work, gathering all the financial documents and so forth. And then the family law mediator works with that financial person and with me 
to get the agreements that the parents have worked up together into the settlement, the final settlement agreement. Now, are these cases where the parties are unrepresented or? Um, yeah, no, uh, ideally, of course, any, any um, ethical mediator, at least in California, strongly recommends that the, each, each client have their own consulting attorney. Not all do. Sometimes only one does, but we continually strongly recommend that they do because, you know, the mediator can't give legal advice, can give legal information. Um, and, and, and do these, and I guess what my question was, I'm, I'm just trying to picture, and you also do collaborative cases where you yes. are one of the team members. Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a collaborative team could look like always, there are always two collaboratively trained attorneys. That's a requirement. And then, um, Often there might just be two collaborative attorneys and a family specialist. Maybe there are no children. I mean, uh, a financial specialist, because maybe they don't have children. If they do have children, minor or adult, um, then they can, it could be two collaborative attorneys, financial specialist, and a family specialist, or two divorce coaches, or two divorce coaches and a child specialist, whatever mixture, hybrid, that we as the professionals and, and the clients agree would best serve their family's needs and interests. Okay. Well, I, I want to thank you for your time. Is there anything else that you would like to tell our, our audience in terms of dealing with, again, the, the adult children of divorce? Or have we covered everything? Well, I think we've covered. We have. I just would like them to know uh, the last chapter we called Hope and Healing because even though Tools for hope and healing are woven throughout the book. We really want people to know, the adult children and the parents who are divorcing, that there is hope and healing and that your family doesn't have to be destroyed in this process, whatever divorce process you choose. And uh, just be brave enough to ask for help from someone, a, a pastor, you know, a clergy, a trained therapists, collaborative professionals, mediators, to help you because divorce, what we know from the research is ranked the second highest stressor that human beings go through, second only to the death of a loved one. So it deserves some help uh, and it doesn't have to be as painful as a lot of people think it does. I thank you. I thank you, Carol. And uh, uh, I think uh, we are going to close up our, our program right now. So again, thank you for being on. And uh, I look forward to working with this uh, uh, book about the two homes with the adult children mm -hmm. uh, from, from uh, Jacinta. Jacinta, uh, yeah. Um, so again, I thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been John Susco's A Better Way to Divorce podcast. John Susco is a Florida family law attorney. If you'd like to learn more about collaborative divorce or mediation, go to susco-collab-med.com or click on the link in the show notes below.